Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We're here doing a stat cases, which we haven't done for a long period of time. It was a series we introduced over a year ago now, and then COVID, as ever, gets in the way of lots of things. But today we're uh, relaunching the series. We've got uh, Katrina, who's going to talk to us about an interesting case she was involved with. Yeah, so I met this young woman when I was an F1 on general surgery, and it was a night shift. And so she was a young lady, I think she was either in her late 20s or early 30s, with metastatic bowel cancer. I think they were still trying to actively treat it at the time, I guess given her age and um, they progressed quite quickly. Anyway, she'd come in with probable bowel obstruction, which is probably a sign that her disease was progressing despite treatment. So she'd come into A&E, um, she'd got an NG tube placed, capnil by mouth and giving her some fluids and things. Um, and then while I was on the ward, the nurse uh, said, oh, Katrina, her blood pressure's 60 systolic. And I was like, oh, okay, that's quite low. So um, I went to see her, we got fluid bolus in. And when when I saw her, she looked sick like I've never seen someone look grey before mm. from hypotension and I've never seen someone that young look that sick as well I then called my reg <laughs> um, and I was lucky that day I had a nice a nice surgical reg who also wasn't like in theatre in an emergency overnight so he could come up straight away the implication there being that not all surgical registrars are nice no, yeah well or and maybe <laughs> sometimes understand the gravity of the situation that you're trying to convey to them maybe I'll put that in maybe that's the more di- the diplomatic answer and he came up helped me try and get a bigger cannula into because she was so shut down um, and it was the first time I ever saw someone try and squeeze fluids into a patient which is oh he's, he's quite concerned too but she and this is probably the other thing she was just really nice had like a really nice personality she was like cracking jokes just had like a really nice personality and I did my foundation in Newcastle and she was like one of these classic Geordie girls who always had their hair immaculately done fake tan on fake eyelashes, makeup fully done. She had her nails painted and we had to take them off for the pulse exhibitor. <laughs> you just really liked her. We got her some antibiotics and we called the ITE reg to come and see her as well because the blood pressure wasn't going to get any better with IV fluids. Now, looking back, now I've had like a bit more experience of people who are more unwell and people with advanced cancer. It's, it's kind of surprising, but I'm glad they did that the ITU team did accept her, and I think about it. So they accepted her for vasopressors. We finished our night shift, went home to sleep, and then I came in the next morning and I bumped into the ITU regiment. So she went up to ITU, had some vasopressors, and I think the team came in in the morning, she got reviewed by the consultant, and they kind of thought this is probably only going to go one way. But what they decided to do was they managed to get her a place in the hospice. They kept the vasopressors going so that she was stable to get to the hospice. She had kids. She had family. They also got someone in to do her makeup again for her, get her some clean clothes, just so that I guess she could feel a bit more human and the stuff that was important to her or, you know, 
would just make her feel a little bit better, was able to be put in place. So, yeah, they transferred her over to the hospice. Her family and her kids could be around her, and then she passed away that day. I don't know how it's changed my practice. I don't know if I've been... I haven't been in that situation again. But there's a... I think there are a few reasons why it, like, it still... It sticks with me and I still think about it. I guess one is that she was quite young and I've never seen someone that young, that ill before. The fact that a lot of teams had to put things in place for her to get we kind of have this phrase of like a good death but lots of the kind of the stars aligned like there was a place in the hospice the IT team accepted her people thought well let's put this all together so that she can kind she can Mm -hmm. have this which is not just important for her but I guess important for her family and you know her kids it's much nicer to go to a hospice rather to come into a side room on a surgical ward to say goodbye to your mum I guess it's kind of just highlighted me to me how sometimes going that little extra mile for stuff like that can be really beneficial for family but for yourself as well it can mean a lot to you I would always try and find out what patients wishes would be and try and have those discussions earlier I don't think anyone was planning that she was going to deteriorate that quickly so the fact that we gave we managed to give her a bit more time with some vasopressors so that we could put that stuff in place and so her family could have maybe just a few more hours to get their head around what was going on just generally like a really rubbish situation but maybe made slightly better by the team it's a positive story, isn't it? It's a positive case. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, if you're summarising that case, a lady in her twenties or thirties who who died years before her time, mm. it doesn't sound like it's going to be a good case. No. But actually, as you say, it's all those good things about the teams working together. It just makes that that negative, that horrible situation suddenly not pleasant, but it makes it better. And it does make it good actually because yeah. you know, that that good death she had, she was surrounded by her family. Mm. She's in the hospice, which is the the best place to be. Mm. You know, it's the best of a bad situation, I suppose. The thing that that's making me think about just listening to that is mm. um, kind of what's really sad about now um, with COVID. Yeah. And that a lot of those things that, that made that story, you know, have the positives in that story and the things you were able to mm. do, I think really sadly lots of people aren't having at the moment. Yeah. And I think like you say, it does make a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah. And also I just wonder, she was obviously young and maybe, you know, people really have a lot of sympathy for that situation. Mm. I wonder how much difference that, that made to this particular patient, you know, if it was somebody in their 80s, let's say. Yeah. I just kind of wonder whether people would have felt that motivation to kind of, like you say, go that extra mile. Yeah. Um, you always rely on the body for citizens. <laughs> <laughs> I, sp- I suppose that is true. The sad thing is that you're not sure or you feel like it would be less likely that if they were in there, you know, if they were more elderly, but still this is this was quite a quick deterioration whether, you know, they would have got a chance for a bit more basis of press support and a bit more time. I suppose one thing that's come out that maybe will come out of COVID and all that is that it's made people face mortality a bit more and think about death and think about the end because we've had to deal with it so much. People who you're not expecting to pass away this year 
have done. So hopefully maybe it'll open a conversation a bit more nationally about planning and I guess, you know, escalation plans have been in the press a lot more because people have felt that they've been put in, you know, unfairly and stuff like that. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to be able to educate patients and family a bit more. I think the other thing I'd like to pick up is that she's really nice. Mm. It kind of, I think it links to what what Polly's saying, Mm. you know, that that impact of having a a nice patient and I'm going to a limit. Obviously, we're always you know nice and professional to patients, mm-hmm. but you do go the extra mile for the ones that are nice, and I think that's okay. Mm. I don't think that makes me a bad doctor. I want to do extra for the patients that are nice because yeah. it, that's that's the human side coming through. It, it does impact on the team being nice, and it's all those those subtle little things. And you know, as I said, we, we we keep our professional standards up from a medical point of view, from a nursing point of view, but we're all human. Yeah, and actually, it's it's easier to go the extra mile for the, for the nice patients and you'll want to a bit more yeah. whereas actually the, the patient who's rude or aggressive or demanding you probably won't go the extra mile for you'll give them good quality care you'll be do the professional job you won't go the extra mile mm. those biases I suppose is the best way to describe them do impact clinical medicine and actually that's okay because it's a medicine is a, it's a human specialty it's not a sort of mechanical thing it's not a, you know, not mechanics fixing cars this is humans treating other humans mm. you, you hear it a lot all the time and you're seeing patients go oh, they're really nice they're really sweet. I do it when I refer patients she's a really sweet 90 year old we just do it because I don't think it necessarily changes what we need to do but it's just nice sort of thing to say I think I'm sort of rambling on here like a, like a fool but... <laughs> well I think oh, <laughs> I think sometimes we do forget that we're human mm. sometimes you feel like the expectation is that you're just able to deal with stuff in a slightly robotic sense, like you stay professional, you stick with your clinical judgment, and I th- it's important not to forget that all that stuff is obviously going to be part of how you care for a patient. I'm going to pick on the spot. Do you think ICU would have taken her if she wasn't very nice? Hmm. I honestly don't know. I don't know. It, it so depends on who that person is, that, well, who that consultant was on the other end of the phone that the ICU edge was talking to, I think. So I don't, I honestly don't know. I think from from my experience, they probably would, mm. but it might take a bit longer. Yeah, would be my putting my cynical hat on. I think we would. It's again, it's about that sort of we provide the professional good, good clinical care standard. But actually, I think because they're so nice and they're so lovely, and you get that sort of you know almost X Factor style story of she's got kids and all that sort of yeah. stuff. that does impact on us, and things happen quicker. Mm. And I think actually, it's um, just going back to what you were saying about you know. I make referrals and I say, oh, this really sweet 90-year-old. I think actually it's really important to have that kind of approach because the other end of things is when you hear about the fracture in ED mm. or the the pneumonia and people are labelled by their diagnosis rather than who they are or anything about them or even their name sometimes. So I, I would much rather hear about you know, sweet 90-year-olds who have come in with such and such than, you know, the sepsis or... The sepsis. The sepsis. <laughs> <laughs> so just to summarize this case was a young woman with metastatic bowel cancer who unfortunately had had further disease progression um, and was approaching the end of her life but through i guess a bit of luck through good teamwork 
and taking into account the sort of human impact that her case and the doctors around her took into consideration the best outcome for her and managed to come about.